0: It's me higher than the 747. Hey. Turns me up to 11. Man, this must be heaven. I never doubt I'm loving for a second. Hey. Two to three babies and a wedding. I'm spending. Something's coming all over me. I'm obsessing. Head over.
1: This is Dennis Ryder at KGNU, and I'd like to welcome Alan Stone. Alan, welcome to KGNU.
0: Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Appreciate y'all.
1: Well, a lot of people have called you the hippie soul man, and you have this persona. If someone to just see you, you have long uh, blonde hair and wide-rimmed glasses, and I first met you backstage at E Town carrying your uh, guitar case, a true hippie, but if they hear you on the radio, people would think, "Okay, there's uh, someone like uh, Mayor Hawthorne or Eli Paperboy Reed with that soul sound."
0: Sure, yeah, yeah. I'm uh you know, I think I've I've for many years been drawn to to soul and r and b music, um, but I grew up in the woods so uh you know the the hippie with soul is not a moniker that i've placed on myself, but uh, somehow managed to always find its way to the surface regarding regarding the description of me so right. uh, i'll claim it well let's um i want to ask
1: you about um You started music, you started at the age of three, singing in uh, your your father's Christian church, and you later uh, led singing groups and playing the guitar there. But as a teenager, you discovered R&B. Was that gradual, or or, uh, how did that happen?
0: Yeah, a buddy of mine, um, I mean, R&B is a genre genres period are a tricky thing right because it all comes from the same source but um you know that that era of soul and funk that i was really drawn to was that 60s and 70s era of soul and funk which kind of that that era of music seems to be the the golden era of of any sort sort of recorded recorded music there was uh there was just enough creative freedom and artistic freedom and there was there wasn't any executives and A&Rs getting in the way and and crowding up the the creative process Um, and so the music for that era was just spectacular but that was the that was the era that that I was really drawn to kind of you know 16 17 18 somebody friend of mine plugged me into uh, I think it was Inner Visions first and then that shortly just became a a master's program and, and digging deep in those, you know, record bins and finding that soul music that uh, resonated with me.
1: Well, I want to just uh, go into your your first couple of albums then, and your first recording. And I first discovered you with your self-titled album in 2011. And you had uh, Raphael Sadiq's rhythm section and Miles Davis's keyboardist Darren Johnson on it. And it was uh the more punchy side of r and b of the seventies it felt like in your first release though uh, last to speak was to me it was more of a a folk uh, singer songwriter release and after last to speak how do, how did you move from that first album to the second
0: well i think um, you know it had had very much to do with with the personnel that I was able to convince to play the music and having that, obviously having a rhythm section as talented as as those cats, you know, really does inform the music a lot. I think, uh, you know, every time you put out a record, you want to, you've got an idea of what you want it to sound like and what you want it to feel like and how people are going to potentially respond to it. And um, uh, I just sort of... I think all the stars really aligned on that process i met a producer by the name of leor leor goldenberg who who really put a bug in in those players ears and convinced them to come to come play on the record and man they uh yeah like i said it when you have when you have really talented musicians as i've been very fortunate to to have in my orbit for the last 10 years the music is Speaks to that, to that talent.
1: Well, that uh, that the album Alan Stone became a big hit, and it led to national recognition, a lot of TV appearances. How did life change for you uh, when that came out?
0: Yeah, well, it went from you know you go from you go from really struggling to to get a gig and to get people to pay attention to you to to being busy all the time and to being away from from home all the time, which is just a whole new um, set of scenarios to deal with and to maneuver around. But but yeah, man, I think any artist when they when they start getting some sort of recognition at all, I think it's really it's really exciting. It's um, it can be confusing at times. It can be terrifying at times. Uh, you know. you you do this thing in your bedroom for so many years and then people start talking about it and you have this new little, this precious, precious little gift, you know, and you don't want the gift to go away. And so, um, I think that, you know, my tendency in that moment was to tense up and to maybe be a little bit more afraid than I needed to, but all in all, I learned, I learned a lot through the process and uh, I'm I'm really happy to still be making records and, and still be, They'll be working
1: well. I think we're we're all glad that you, you still are. Uh, let's go four years later. Your third album, Radius, came out. It was a collaboration with uh Magnus Tinkset, and for me, it, it gets uh, a little funkier. and Some tunes have that Prince sound for me. And you moved to Capitol Records from the more. I guess, uh, independent ATO. How was, how did that, um, transpire both the album and moving to a, a bigger record company?
0: Well, um, they, uh, Capital was sort of chirping at my heels pretty much ever since the release of my self-titled record. You know, when, when your numbers start, start growing and you start moving units, you know, those bigger players come to the table and, and start, you know, showering you in, in uh, steak dinners and promising you that they can they can help you go to that next step. And um, so, yeah, Capital, I believe it was Capital and Columbia both courted me for a while through that process of, of my first self-title record. And at the end of the day, I just felt... I felt better about about Capitol. I felt better about the contract they were giving me, and uh, felt like I had a better connection with the uh, the A and R team and uh, and the president, who was Dan McCarroll at the time. And so, yeah, I, w- I went to Capitol to make that next record. Made that made that jump. Yeah, made that jump to uh, the major label. Wanted to swing with the with the big with the big, the big boys. Big boys. <laughs> well, this this has uh, turned
1: out to be. One of my favorites, I put it in my CD player in the car and listened to it over and over again. It's a great release. The next Thank one, you. you went you went back to ATO for Building Balance. So what got you back to ATO?
0: Well, um, uh, Dan McCarroll and the A&R team that I had at Capitol right before um pretty much right as i finished recording the record uh, radius they all left as many as many rs do nowadays they uh got another job they got a better job somewhere yeah. and i kind of i've always been weary of that you know i'd heard that from so many people hey man the, the major they'll they'll offer you a bunch of money but um but everybody's switching jobs left and right you know going from capital to warner to to over to sony to now they're jumping into the Amazon and Apple world, like nobody sticks around for more than, you know, two and a half years. It's like the same, the same shelf life as an NFL player. Mm-hmm. So um, I went with Capital because my A&R team, you know, sort of like my my bloodline into the concern of the label and the budgets of the label and the release cycles of the label that bloodline uh, had just signed a new contract, like a five-year deal. So so I jumped, and I was like, all right, well, you know, i got to trust this contract. You know, they're, they're telling me they're not going to leave. Um, and sure enough, you know, 12 months into the process of my relationship with capital, they, they all took off. So a new A&R team took over, and, you know, they weren't invested in my project at all. They didn't sign me. They didn't hear the commercial viability of Radius by any means. And uh, I wouldn't, I don't know if, if technically I got dropped, but like I was, because ATO is a universal company and they're under the same umbrella as Capital, I was able to get released to ATO mm. to, to to re-release Radius with like a, a big bonus album you know like another eight tracks or so on on ato we repackaged it we took it to europe we did like a proper tour and um getting released ato that the deal that we set up was that i would give them my next record uh and so yeah coincidentally i ended up back on ato which is a great great label and i'm so i'm so fortunate that they would have me back and 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 work with me on this on this newest release that's uh yeah, in my opinion, my best I can't stop the rain But I will keep you dry If the shore feels far away
1: And listening to some of the tunes on radius, um, you're talking about looking. uh, Maybe you can, you know, comment on it. But looking for for the love of your life, or or maybe how how to how love affects your life on on a number of tunes, and then you get to building balance, and you had just gotten married with your, your wife, Tara. And it was, uh, the album sounded like like a Valentine's to your new wife. A lot of great <laughs> songs, like Sunny Days, Taste of You. Uh, and you could see it, like at uh, E-Town, you could see from the stage that everybody just enjoyed your singing. You had an acoustic set at E-Town. But, uh, I don't know if you could see it from the stage, but a lot of couples seem to get a lot of closer together when you sang, Give You Blue. So yeah, what, totally. What? Uh, what uh, besides your marriage, it seems like that really was an epiphany or just the big spark to your life?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think for many years, I was super like, opposed to writing about love I felt it was kind of like the easy topic, you know, especially like romance, I felt like was a very like I, you know, when it comes to my artistry, I, I don't like to feel like I'm in a box. I don't like to feel like I'm defined by the mold, which is the blue-eyed soul crooner. You know, the, Let's dress him up in a suit, let's teach him how to dance, and let's sing about the club and sex and romance and we've got a hit right here, you know, like I just really and maybe to my own disadvantage, just really have always been opposed to that. You know, I don't feel the urge to to look a certain way, you know, or to dress a certain way. I come from the woods in the Pacific Northwest and and uh, you know, my 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 style is my style and it is what it is and the music that I love is the music that I love and I've always been a little bit, you know, like, not that I was completely opposed to writing about romance or love, but I was, I was like weary of it, you know, whenever I would be in a writing session and it would start going that way, I would definitely try to turn the tide and write about, you know, something heady, like something that made more sense to the public, you know, the influx of technology, like mental health just anything, anything besides love and romance. And, you know, so happened to be that I was falling in, in love with my wife and, and, and starting a life together with, with her right around the same time I was writing Building Balance. And, and the, the majority of the work reflected that, you know? It was kind of the <clears throat> kind of that coalescing of feeling comfortable in being vulnerable with my life and, and what I was going through and also feeling comfortable as an artist to to not force any sort of rhetoric too much but to, uh, to sing what I feel and, and, and sing what was true. And on Building Balance, that process was, you know, the, the love I have for my family.
1: Right. Well, when I first heard Consider Me... I thought a lot of your fans were going to use it as their marriage vows, and the video that uh, you put out uh, kind of showed that. And then later I learned that you had that same uh, trepidation about writing marriage marriage vows, and you used that song for your wedding. And then you had a contest, what was interesting, you had a contest for fans to send in their marriage vows.
0: Yeah, those, those marriage vows, man, they can be a sticky, they can be a sticky thing because you're the same sort of thing trying to sum up into words like the emotion and the feeling that you have inside and also being honest about it. One of the things with my, <clears throat> my marriage vows was I remember I was up all night with my dad like the night before my wedding trying to write these vows. It was being like, because you're standing in front of all your friends and your family and you want the vows to be, like, powerful and, in, you know, like, creative almost. Like, it's, it's, it's not really a performance, but it's almost like a performance, right? Because you're, you're, you're vowing and committing to your partner in this moment in front of all these people. My, you know, my vows ended up being like, look, I'm, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to drive you crazy. But the love and the commitment that I vow to you in this moment in front of all these people, I promise to hold true to that and work towards the betterment of both of our lives and our relationship from now until the day I die. And, um, you know, that to me is the, I, I guess in, in, in romance and love and, this idolatry that we we commit with relationships and, and love and romance and Western culture. I think that's the one thing that's missing is like a true glimpse into what it takes. It's not easy, right? It's like it's work, right? You gotta like, you gotta work your ass off. But the work you put in, I believe builds the character of the human being putting that work in. You know, like I could, for sure, it is possible to be, to to fly solo through this life and to be a completely formed and and wonderful human being. But I've found in my marriage and my commitment to my wife that that, uh, it builds me as a man. It challenges me as a man. It challenges my perspective. And I love that. I love having somebody around who can hold me accountable and, and challenge my way of thinking and challenge my... My perspective, because you know, somebody who gets to travel around and gets to have their name on marquees and have fans, you know, adoring them, like myself, like you can really, really quickly fall into a rut of narcissism and really, really quickly think you are the cat meow. And uh, you know, my marriage and my relationship with my wife. And also, the relationship I have with a lot of really close personal friends has kept me in check and kept my perspective, I believe, uh, very grounded and 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 in a very um, and coming from a place of gratefulness and graciousness versus I deserve this or or it's about time or you know there's all these. Uh, there's all these feelings that I can imagine people falling into when, when admiration and success happens to come their way, and, and I think a, a positive, balancing relationship, whether it's a partner, whether it's a friend, whether it's a, you know, a love, uh, is a very very good thing, and uh, I feel pretty, pretty lucky to have found a. Wait, incredible you, partner
1: you've also said that uh, you know growing into this relationship you've changed the way the way you eat the way you live you've taken you know yoga it's changed your mental outlook somewhat but she uh, like you you just mentioned it's um, it's a, a a strong person in your life that helping you both change. the better.
0: I think it's growing, growing, growing older. It's part of it, but, but it's also having, and it's also that that classic case of marrying up. (laughs) My dad, my dad has this, you know, this joke he's always told. It's just like, (laughs) it's really funny. It comes off maybe relatively chauvinistic, but uh, his heart's in a good place. He would always say, you know, I can prove, I can prove that men are smarter than women. He'd always say this at parties and stuff, and you know, everybody kind of turned their nose up at it, like, "Oh God, where's this going?" He goes, "I can prove it. Look at who my wife married, and look at who I married." <laughs> 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 and um, that, that classic, that classic case of marrying up. You know, I think I, like I said, I've found uh, a partner and somebody who challenges me in, in, in a positive light. And, And helps lead um, our family, you know, side by side.
1: Your family now, including including a little one.
0: Got a little one, yeah, now. Little Rudy Rocket. Ten months old, man.
1: Well, a lot of your songs have uh, socially conscious themes, and you mentioned that uh, just now, and they sound personal and heartfelt, and I think your audiences feel like they're not seeing a performance, but they they hear you talking to them. And one one thing that you did say along the way is, I believe that being happy should be the majority of life. And I think that really comes across, at least at E-Town, it just, you felt that happiness just seeing you on stage.
0: Thank you, man. Well, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a happy person most of the time. You know, I think that your emotion and your sense of balance comes from, it's a verb, right? So happiness is not this thing that happens to you. It's this perspective that you chase. To me, that that's really where building balance comes from. It's like the word building is this constant motion, right? <clears throat> but balance sort of sounds like this, uh, this stationary position. And life, to me, is a constant uphill um, excursion you gotta push that rock up up that hill and I think the food you eat the, the things you focus on the headlines you choose to read the people you surround yourself with the, the, the places that you give your time to and it, you know it sounds it might sound elementary but they matter Everything matters, and everything has uh, an effect on, on the balance that you cultivate in your life. And I think, I think you got to be really careful with it. I was really not a good steward of, of that my entire life, and I'm, and I'm learning in the last four years how important it is to, to really be precious with the things you, you ingest um, mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, the things that you focus on and, and you give your time to are super important. But when I do, I only seem to fall. Not gonna waste my time trying to reclaim you.
1: CD Building Balance. And you're uh, on the road right now. On your current tour, it started in February. And it just just seemed like a, a ball burner. It's, uh, it shows every couple days. And you're winding up uh, toward the end of April in Australia. It's uh, really, really kind of a hard tour. Seems like. Keeping you away from home a little bit.
0: Yeah, you know, it's um it's a it's it's tough being away from home, especially with a, a young a young baby. But, um, you know, in the attempts to build balance and to actively put a positive foot forward, I've always I think about this a lot. You know, I've got it's kind of the constant dialogue that I have with people. It's like, dude, it must must be hard being away from home so much. You know, and, and w- it is, of course. It's definitely difficult traveling as much as I do. I travel nine months out of the year pretty much. But I think and not to give weight to comparison because I don't think it's a useful tool in many sense, but I think about my my folks. You know, both my folks work. 60 hour, hours a week, and my parents were A plus, you know, they raised me and my siblings so well, very loving home, very present, but still with their work schedules, right, you wake up, we would be up at 8, we'd be out to school at 8.30, we'd have breakfast together as a family, and then we'd get home, we'd all have after-school activities, we'd see my folks for dinner, and then we'd go to bed, you know, and... And pretty much everybody's really tired in that in that scenario. My folks are exhausted um, from a long day of work. And, you know, what I do, yeah, I'm gone and I'm pulled away from my home quite a bit. But when I'm home, I'm home. And I probably get, you know, between two and three months of present home time with my family every year right finish a tour I usually got about three four weeks off after we fit my wife Australian so we'll finish this tour and uh and then we'll have a month in Australia with with uh, Kaz's family and Rudy's grandparents we'll go over to Bali and we'll have a couple weeks over there so you know there's a balance there right, right. like yeah I go and I work my tail off and I I travel a lot, and I'm uncomfortable in a lot of scenarios. I, don't, I can't find a routine, but, you know, the, the takeaway is, is I get to be home and present with my family and, and my friends, um, I think, a lot more often than, than most people work in the 9-to-5 thing. So, uh, you know, in, a, in, a, in, a, in terms of practice what I preach, I'm going to choose to focus on the positive.
1: Right. It's all about building balance.
0: All about building that balance. Yeah.
1: Well, I want to let everybody know that you'll be here in Denver on March 20th at the Summit Music Hall. And, uh, what are you touring acoustic or do you have a band with you?
0: No, we got the full meal deal, man. It's me and it's the full band, and we got two openers. And it's a great show. It's a really, really great show.
1: Well, it's, uh, a little bit of the new the new release a little bit of the older release you've got you you have horns with you this time
0: No no horns no horns but we'll be playing uh we'll be playing music from from uh from all of the catalogs
1: well, that's a, a great range of music and look forward to being there I'll see you there and I hope uh we get a big turnout for that show And I just want to let everybody know that the E-Town taping that you did a couple weeks ago, that'll air here in Colorado and across uh, E-Town in the near future. So uh, I'll look forward to that.
0: Right on, right on. Me too, me too. And Um, uh, thank thank. you.
1: Yeah, Alan, thanks so much for uh, joining us here at KGNU today. Appreciate it.
0: My pleasure. Thank you for your time, Dennis. You take care, brother, and we'll see you at the show.